0: Mustafa thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Can I just ask you to explain your role at Abu Dhabi Financial Group, Northacre and Astria here in London?
1: Sure, so for ADFG and Shra, I'm the Deputy Group CEO. I'm also in charge and pretty much running all our revenue lines and our businesses, all portfolio companies and our business heads reported to me. That's for ADFG. As for Northacre, well, I've been part of Northacre since early on when we acquired the company back in 2012. I've been sitting on the board and I've been managing the company on a, on a very close basis with the CEO uh, ever since then. Astria is a new venture that we started up about three years ago. We created Astria from nothing and Astria today manages actually the largest portfolio of assets in prime central London, which is the Barclays and I sit on the board, and I manage as well that under my real estate platform.
0: So, if we wanted to just touch on why you invested in Northacre, can you can you tell me what drew you to Northacre in the first place?
1: Well, uh, Northacre is, is quite an interesting story. So, uh, you know, historically, there's a lot of Middle East money flowing into London, and more specifically, prime central London, uh, either through through trophy assets or uh, yielding assets, etc. In 2012, we decided that we wanted to take on development risk in prime central London. Uh, But we didn't have the manpower or the know-how at that moment. And we thought what best way to do so better than acquiring an existing platform and a development manager that's already a player in the London market. And what made Northacre attractive more than any others That Northacre came with uh, so much heritage and so much history uh, it had a fabulous track record of building some of the nicest developments in central London, 25 years of that history. they built quite a great bouquet of residential complexes that make us proud up until today. So that was why we initially had the interest uh, in acquiring and why we acquired that stake in Northacre back then.
0: And in regard to the prime property market in London, and obviously it's had a turbulent time since Brexit and now this sort of global pandemic, but there always seems to be a continued interest from overseas investors. So why do you think there's sort of this appeal of London to international buyers, sort of it seems regardless of turbulent times?
1: Yeah, look, London London has a very unique combination. You have a, an inherently long-term stability of the nation, which is very, very important. A well-matured legal and commercial system that's in place that's very easily understandable. It's always been a financial and cultural hub of the world. This cannot be denied no matter what happens, Brexit or not Brexit. You've got the element of safe haven status, the proximity between the East and the West. Language is a very big plus where English is predominantly spoken across the globe, so it's a common denominator uh, for everybody either from the East or from the West. I mean, these are all elements that, eclectically put together, make London such a, a viable and good option for both international buyers as well as local buyers. I mean, you can't, you cannot deny the influence of central London uh, onto the world. It's, it's very unique.
0: And what was the driving force behind Northacre's sort of first step into new build and mixed use development? Can you tell us a little bit about the Broadway?
1: Yes, I can, absolutely. Northacre historically has done revival projects. And what I mean by revival projects is that they take older heritage buildings and revive them into a modern living abode. So this is a, a complex process that not a lot of development companies are able to somewhat master. So Northacre has been a master of this type of build for the longest time. And when we took over back in 2012, the initial thesis behind this is that we want to build Northacre into the next level of developer. And the next level of developer will basically bounce out of the existing track record they've got, but, you know, tread into a much different kind of atmosphere and hence the Broadway came into play. But before the Broadway a project, that's very close to my heart, which is One Palace Street, was our first acquisition as Northacre post our acquisition of Northacre. So Palace Street carries a very, very special place in my heart. But you know, Broadway as well is a very unique opportunity. So Broadway, since you asked, is essentially we entered into a bid to acquire the New Scotland Yard from the mayor's office. We won the bid and we acquired the site. And we've spent somewhat of the last two and a half years redesigning, redeveloping, and deconstructing the old building, pulling it down, and then building six new towers, of which will be a very, very beautiful combination of commercial, retail, uh, business, and residential living.
0: Well, I guess once you've got the winning formula of what you've gone through with Palace Street, Broadway should be easy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you would think so, but it's a much bigger project, much more complex and less complex in the sense that you don't have to build inside out and retain the facade. But nevertheless, you're talking about six brand new towers and two podiums creating a new living atmosphere for the entire area. So this is a very ambitious project that will definitely reshape the Victoria scene and definitely put Northacre back on the mark.
0: And so tell me, what's so special then about Number One Palace Street? It's like a labour of love, isn't it? Like, I mean, God, it's a huge project.
1: Look, Number One Palace Street was, is unique in all aspects, from how we sourced the opportunity, how we acquired the opportunity, the events that happened during the entire process. I mean, it's quite, quite unique. And Palace, Number One Palace, is an exceptional island site, in my view, not, not replicated anywhere in, in, in central London. You're talking about five distinct architectural designs, all engulfed into one building, per se, uh, one island site. You are talking about a quintessentially English heritage facade with a brand new state-of-the-art, luxurious interior build-out with the remnants of the elements of the old building. You're talking about 72 quaint units for 72 distinguished, Owners, Uh, this is not a big development in terms of the number of units, absolutely not, but it's something that everybody who is in love with the real estate market and the real estate development and the luxury market would love to have a piece of. So it's quite unique. I mean, we've got, you know, 20,000 plus square feet of of gym and spa facilities that's not surpassed. We've got concierge service. We've got a um, underground parking We've got the proximity to the Queen's abode. I mean, she lives right across the street. What more do you want quintessential English than that? So we truly love the site. And as it's now coming to fruition, you can tell that there was a lot of love and devotion and a lot of design elements and a lot of architectural sweat and tears going into it. And I, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for it to be complete early next year.
0: It sounds pretty special. You can always wave at the Queen, can't you? You've got some royal yeah, neighbours.
1: If you want, I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> If we just move on to what what opportunities do you think there are for foreign investors at the current time? Then, is there anything you want to elaborate on?
1: Look, I think London will always be is and will always be a destination for real estate investors. It's it's got all the elements. It's a formula. It's a well built formula. What is Apparent in today's uh, world is that, you know, there will be now a lot more, in my view, of course, a lot more selection available. All these elements and people now realizing maybe they don't need to be so attached to properties in different countries. They're not going to be traveling as much. A lot of elements are coming into play and historical older inventory inventory that has never been brought to market may come to market. Now, the... uh, Opportunity here as well is that the development of new build will not be, in my opinion, again, as robust as was before the pandemic. Many reasons. The cost of building will be much higher. Some companies may not be around. The costs that they incurred during the corona may hit them really, really hard. Some other investors may rethink any long-term investments globally, so not necessarily just for London, but globally, and hence less money coming into development into London. So that makes our projects, I think, very, very unique because we sort of cater to the upper echelon of, of the crowd. We don't have a um, common man or a common facilities or, or common apartments that are up for sale or development. As you well aware, you know our units are 2,800 pounds a square foot and up so it caters to a certain niche of the population. And I think that particular segment of the market still has a lack of supply for the demand that's available. I also think before Rishi's you know 3% stamp duty that's going to come into effect next year, I think people will see that as an opportunity to buy now in a market that they've always wanted to, but maybe it will cost them a little bit more next year. So maybe they'll take advantage of it. Now, obviously, this is all given that all the restrictions of movement will be eased come May or June of this year in the UK. So there's a lot of elements, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for that distinct buyer, and it all depends on what it is that you're looking for.
0: And you've also got product that is due to complete, isn't it? So you've got both developments, so it's it's the time.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: If we just look then about this pandemic, what do you think will be the biggest impact then on the property markets following this lockdown?
1: To talk about the effect of the pandemic, we should talk about how the market has been reacting in a very recent future. So you understand that the, the prime central London market, which is actually very uncorrelated with the rest of the UK, let's put it that way, had suffered you know a five-year of, of a pricing and a, and a sales glut. And post the Brexit referendum later in the later part of last year, we had seen that January and February had shown strong signs of recovery of both pricing as well as appetite. Now, unfortunately, coronavirus hits hits bad uh, across the low in March, uh, which makes it very, very difficult. I think what will happen is that obviously today we're slowing down. We're seeing maybe a contraction of about maybe 500, 520,000 sales that were supposed to take place, but will no longer take place now in 2020. That will be pushed out. 2020, obviously, up until today, is seen a significant slowdown. Maybe up to 80% of transactional slowdown will be seen uh, during 2020. However, this does not mean that the market will not revive. In my view, come the later part of this year towards the fourth quarter and moving into the next the next year we will see a great jump in or a recovery let's not say jump but it will there'll be a, a big recovery in terms of uh, sales and, and, uh, and transactions in the in the prime central london possibly up to 20% year on year compared to 2019 so 2020 really we need to somehow erased from the equation, <laughs> 2021, we'll see probably a 20% increase in transactions from 2019, at least that's the, uh, the, the hope, with up to 8% uptick in value. So we're really looking forward to a very aggressive and opportunistic and very opportune 2021, if all goes well as planned.
0: So the point is really get in now before it goes up. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah I, I, I think so. Look, we've got, even though the pandemic has seized the, the personal viewings, which is very, very important, the appetite is still there. So people want to see what's out there. That's why, you know, soon we'll be launching the virtual apartments for people to just view virtually. Uh, our physical show apartments will be ready in the first week of June or so. So hopefully things will open up. But I believe that even today, we're still seeing inquiries about our units. That shows you that there's still plenty of interest for the type of product that, that we're delivering, which gives us a lot of comfort. So if we're still having interest and people are still placing offers, that means that we're really, really well earmarked to make a significant dent in this market.
0: And do you think that buyers will view property differently following COVID-19? It seems there's a whole perception of the home that's a little bit different now. We've all been logged in. Do you think that will, will change the perception of how people value their homes?
1: I think so. I think so. People, this pandemic and this crisis has really made people realize what's important to them and what's important in their lives, what elements of their home that they're comfortable with versus what they would have liked to have and they haven't. Uh, hat. So for example, you know, we've worked now, obviously, everybody's working from home. So people would have thought maybe, you know, having a home, small home office would be something great. Uh, I can't go to the gym, but maybe if my complex or my building had an indoor gym or an indoor pool, I could have used that facility while I'm under quarantine, you know, quote unquote. So I think people will start looking at their homes in a different manner. We'll look at the amenities of the, of the development that they're buying into or they're moving into. Uh, we'll look at the quality of the build because now if you're going to be surrounded by this home for such long periods, you know, you'd really want this to be an enjoyable uh, experience for you. I think people will start looking maybe a little bit bigger apartments uh, than they would have traditionally wanted. Uh, with better amenities, I think uh, it will just become the norm you know the level of amenities provided by development will need to be stepped up
0: mm, all self-contained and and hopefully um it'd be quite good to have a nice chef
1: <laughs> yeah, sure
0: <laughs> um, so what's on the horizon sort of for you and for north acre
1: look for us and uh, for us as a as a as a company we're quite a diverse firm, so we've got multi-platformed business lines. Uh, Northacre kind of falls within our real estate arm and what we want to do in terms of real estate. We're quite bullish still about the London real estate market. Northacre is and will always be this historically apt and architecturally-led, design-led kind of development firm that we would like to sort of build on. And this is a track record that we're proud of. We've got today six life schemes in total that are ongoing. And once these are also completed, then we will build further on that. So our dream has always been to be the number one developer in, in Prime Central London. Today we are, in terms of uh, GDV, value. We're the largest developer in Prime Central London of new build, uh, which is an accomplishment that we're all proud of. But I think there's a lot more to do with Northacre, and we're truly looking forward to taking it to the next level.
0: We'll be all looking forward to seeing what you do next.
1: <laughs> we'll keep you posted. <laughs>
0: um, and then I guess probably to, to finish off, what, do you lo- what are you most looking forward to when you come to London next? <laughs>
1: <laughs> London is also a city that I enjoy immensely. It's one of the cities that I love to uh, frequent. And uh, I can I can tell you from both sides. So I'll tell you from the business side of Mustafa Wait, he would like to do is, I you know, I'm anxious to go and see our projects. I'm anxious to see how uh, the developments are, are moving forward. I'm anxious to see our, our portfolio of assets through Astria, the teams, the people. This is a very, very important thing. We're a family uh, type of organization, so the people are our biggest assets. So I want to make sure uh, our people are, are doing well. We also have a, a small hospitality asset that I do miss very much, and, and I look forward to staying there again. Uh, on a personal note, I miss the walks. I miss, you know, the culinary scene and the cultural scene as well. These are things that um, you can only somehow somehow do in London, uh, and that's the appeal that always London had. So you can go to your favorite restaurant and then walk to your favorite show uh, and come back to your favorite hotspot. Or for me, my cigar spot, you know, where I can just have my Uh, my cigar and cup off the night. So a lot of things I miss about London, but I'm truly looking forward to the next time I'm there.
0: Uh, We'll we'll be looking forward to seeing you when you get here. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Thank you for having me.